We are in a series called Dream House. Called Dream House. And think about your home for a minute. All right. If you are wanting to sell your house or you are wanting to take advantage and maybe refinance your house, what is the one thing you have to order in order to get one of those two things done? An appraisal. All right, and if you've ever been through the appraising process, you know they're joyful and wonderful, aren't they? (laughs) And so the appraiser arrives, him or her comes to your home, and basically they're just given full reign there for about 15 minutes or 15 hours, depending on the size of your home (laughs) and the state that it is in. But an appraiser comes and, you know, They're investigating everything. They're looking. They're looking at the structure. They're looking at the plot of land. They're taking in uh, how it appears. They're also checking, right, for some structural things to make sure the moment they leave, it's not going to fall over. Why are they doing that? They are appraising it to equip you with either a decision to refinance or, hey, we can get out of this what we were hoping An appraisal is an important piece of information, but here's what they're doing. They are giving your home a dollar amount. They are quantifying it in the natural. This home is marked at blank. And not only do they check your home, but what else do they do? They give it a market analysis, don't they? They take into stock the region, the neighborhood, and what the current market is doing, and they give it a current market value. Something important for your life. It's free. It can be painful, but it is free. Did I mention it's free? (laughs) You don't have the power to give a market value and appraisal for your home, but you do for the state of the relationships in your home, for the friendships that you live with, You, in fact, listen, I empower you. You have the power to go into your work environments and to appraise your current working conditions. And think to yourself, is this healthy? Is this life-giving? Can I even smell hope anywhere around me? Here's what I know. You have the power to cultivate the environments you're in. You have the tools, but it takes great levels of intentionality. You have the power to push pause and to do an appraisal. Now, listen, you don't need to do an appraisal every arena of your life, though that's good, but not all at the same time. That may not be good, all right? But in the area of your relationships, in the area of your family, I found one thing to be true. Many times, our market around us is not leading the way in this area. If you were to look at the market value, you've got families torn apart because somebody actually chased a physical dream house. And they were all about the aesthetic value and the square footage and the jacuzzi tub in the back and the big screen TV, and they paid little attention 
to the relationships fostered in that environment. It's always important to know, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about other people you may know. It's vital you understand that. And so what we have is a great deception by the evil one, especially in our current climate, especially in our current culture, that he can take sometimes the most vital relationships during the most vital season of those relationships and get us distracted, pivot us in other ways. Even well-intentioned Christ followers can begin to take for granted the most critical relationships, friendships, marriage, family life, single life, dating life, all of that. He can begin, and we can begin to take for granted. The enemy never lose sight of this. The enemy sows discord. The enemy thrives on disunity. God's word encourages us. Psalm 133, you've perhaps heard it. And it's just a big old bold declaration. There's not a lot of theological understanding. It just says, how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. I mean, that's a message in and of itself. And so this series, we're talking about Dream House. And we're looking at, I didn't want to just bring attention. Hey, here's you go. You got some problems. You're welcome. See you next week. No, we want to highlight this arena of our life. Even if the wind's at your back, I love that. Even if the wind's at your back, everything before you is perfect and in a good place. That's a joy. I want to continue because I noticed something about myself and most of humanity. We need to perpetually be reminded of what's important. Jesus continued to remind people of what the kingdom of God looks like and how to live in his ways and to know his truth. In fact, this entire series orbits around a statement Jesus gave some of his closest relationships, his disciples. In John chapter 13, we've got a couple verses, and he says, a new command I give you. A new command I give you. A new command. Some of you don't recognize this yet, but you're in a new family. You didn't realize all you were signing away and signing up for when you gave your life to Christ. I don't plan on making you fully aware in this a lot of time. But you're in a new family. Some of you are living like the fa- your family of origin. Some of you are trying to do marriage like your parents did or your grandparents. How's that going? In my case, it may be going pretty well, but it depends on the family you were born into. Depends who the greatest influencers in your life were. It's a loaded question. So Jesus comes along. He talks to his disciples. And just so you're aware, their parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, uncles and aunts, they didn't have it all together. So Jesus is reframing. This is my way. This is how you move about in my kingdom. And this is the thread through the entirety of the New Testament. A new command I give you. Love one another. People are going to know you're my disciples. People are going to know you're my disciples. Not by your political affiliation. Not by your nation of origin. Not by your parents, grandparents, home church. No, for a Christ follower, 
It is to love well. Above and beyond everything else, it is to love well. Jesus invites us into this lifestyle. And I love it because Jesus leads us. And then a few years later, you get a guy actually never met Jesus face to face, Paul. Paul begins to put some practical and, dare I say, painful ways to do this. And he shares, out of the book of Philippians chapter 2, he shares, do nothing, let's say that word together, or those two words, do nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In humility, value others above yourselves. There's a secret you know in all relationships, all relationships and all friendships. You've had to eat those words, swallow them, digest them. We'll stop there. Philippians 2. You've had to make them a part of your life. I know this about you. You've had to make them a part of your life for relationships to be healthy. There's been times you've had to hold your tongue. There's been times you've served and not wanted to serve. Cared, not wanted to care. There's times you've had to speak up when it was far more convenient and comfortable to shut up. There's times you shut up when it was way easier to speak up. It's rooted in our relationships. And that's why I'm so grateful for not only our church, but the church at large and for the scriptures and for the Holy Spirit because our culture has never been so secularized. Not to surprise you, but it's never been so secularized. You know, in the very building you're sitting in, Right out this window, there's a big cement block. And a bell, not since we've been here, but a bell, I have heard, used to sit there. And this bell would be rung several times a day. And early on when we were in this building, an older gentleman approached me after service and he said, I used to work in some fields, some farmland out here. And he said, when that bell was rung, we had to stop producing. And we had to walk or run all the way to this building. And we had to pray. We kept our schedules before God. We kept our hearts before the Lord. And then after the prayer was done, we ran back to the fields to work. And I thought... How about that? Wow. I think our relationships could do with more of that. I think our culture could do with more of that. And so there's something so profound about you even being here. Is that you know that as God is the priority, as we don't worship idols or set ourselves up to the right or to the left, but we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus... You know that relationships, not always, but when 
intentionality and when prayer and focus is on the table, you know that they begin, can begin to get healthier. They can begin to flourish. They begin to offer with more hope. I want to show you the relationship, what I believe, I call this the relationship triangle. And you've very possibly seen it before. I didn't make it up. The relationship triangle. You see, the, uh, the, it's pretty self-explanatory, but you see, as a husband, as a wife, but take any relationship. Seriously, take any relationship. As you both, friendships, close friendships, family, as you focus on God, what happens? You begin to get closer to each other. Some of you can testify to that truth. Some of you understand. Even as a, even as a teenager, I understood this truth. If I'm dating somebody and I'm doing, come on, y'all ever done the evangelistic dating? Don't raise your hand. It's like, Mom, I know this lady has never been in church, never heard Jesus or knows anything about God, but I'm going to reach him. I'm going to reach him. Sure, that's good. I'm for that. But chances are that they, they, their hormones are going. Their emotions are circling. They just want to be near you. They don't care if it's church. They will even go to church with you, right? They'll even go to youth group with you. They'll even, you know, so I remember, but even in these dating relationships, I noticed. <laughs> As I tried to serve God and they did not, it, 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 your diagram is no longer a triangle. You are like a, a, a whale swimming in the ocean. It's, it's just, it's crazy. And sometimes, sometimes we're, it can even be in the home. And that's not easy. That's not light. It requires great levels of patience, great levels of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Great levels of intentionality. But you know this to be true. As you walk in the ways of Jesus, it's not that everything becomes perfect, but you begin to take on Christ-likeness, which was Paul's prayer for the Philippian church. In fact, every church is that you'd be formed into Christ-likeness. If you really, let's just be transparent. If you want to know the dream house God's after in your life, Christ-likeness. It's not sexy doesn't sell the best, but it's what Jesus is after. And he says, follow me. Really lean into me and you'll see that my ways lead to life. So that's what that diagram does. That diagram shows us. I mean, it's a simple illustration. So I want to take the next 10 minutes, believe it or not, and equip you. Here's what we've been doing. Not just me theologizing, but I want to practically equip you in the area of love. We've been looking at a best-selling curriculum. We've been looking at a book that perhaps you've heard about. And it's all sorts of places in our culture. It's not only found in church, though it is written by a pastor who happens to be a doctor in psychology. Gary Chapman, called The Five Love Languages. Five love languages correspond with five love tanks we all have. You have every one of these inside of you. Five love tanks. They're invisible, but we all need them filled. And I want to encourage you. It's free. There's a test you can take. I retook my test, and go figure. Men, we don't change. My tanks, they'll exist. (laughs) 
and they're pretty much identical to 15 years ago because this, this is my first year of marriage, man. This changed my life. I was, I was clueless. If you missed last week's message, I wasn't clueless because I was shown some great ways of living. But it was this whole idea of understanding and communicating love was profound. It was unique because typically I communicated in what is called my primary love language and not in my wife's primary love language. And so the dream house, we redefined it. Y'all, we did all sorts of things. We redefined the dream house. And the dream house is any environment, any environment where the people present know how to receive and give love. Any environment, any work environment, friendships, parenting. It's true. These, the people closest in your life, they have these five tanks going on. Now, some of them, you just aren't allowed to fill. We'll leave that for a few weeks away. But some of these, you could start right now. You could step in today. Last week, we talked about words of affirmation. This week, we're going to boldly, trepidatiously talk about quality time. Good. In my mind, as I was practicing, I thought there would be this dramatic sigh. That didn't happen. I'm encouraged. So let's, let's talk quality time. There are five love languages. Last week, again, words of affirmation. You need to take that test. I'm just going to be honest. You need to take that. Don't hypothesize. Take the test. It's very simple. It's free. And it gives you your results right away. Many people, their first... In their first two is words of affirmation. All of us long to be affirmed. Dreams come alive when we're affirmed. The second, these aren't in order of priority or which ones are best, which ones are worse. No, they're just there. Quality time. This language is all about giving the other person your undivided time. Your undivided time. We are in the multitask age. I sit down for lunch and I'm checking the sports news. I drive home, podcast, music. I work out, I am listening. To a podcast, I'm watching sports highlights, HGTV, USA Today, Planet Fitness, Red Bull, crazy people jumping off buildings and stuff. And I'm like, man, I'm just, I'm just learning about Jonah in my podcast, and I'm, I'm just learning about the news, and 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 I'm just, you know, it's like. Soon it's like this. That's not even a machine, but it's happening in my mind. I'm everywhere. We live in the multi-task. Our attention is divided. Quality time has never, mark my words, in the history of our planet, it has never been on such high demand. 
quality time. It's learned. Let me say this about the love languages. You can learn them and practice them. And after 10 years, 10 days, you will find it becomes easier. And I had to learn quality time. This whole quality time, if it's a... If it's a it, it, it has two ingredients that are critical. Two ingredients are critical to quality time. They're going to... They may sound obvious, but we'll give each a little bit of attention. And the first is focused attention. Focused attention and then quality conversation. Do not check out on me. Focused attention and quality conversation. Focused attention had to be learned from me. When I began... And Kelly and I, when we were first married, as I said, this began, uh, I, I, just, I was like, man, I just got to figure this out. I got to learn. This is, this is I, I could say I love you. I could express again. I just naturally defaulted to what came easy or comfortable for me. And then I realized after a few months, I don't think, I don't think I'm getting through. <laughs> I mean, everything was great, but I, I was like, you know, she would start saying things like, like, like value and, and cherish. And I was like, what are these words you are saying? Five language cracked it open for me. I realized quality time. My deal, I thought quality time. Of course I'll be home at the same time you're home. Of course I can. So Kelly would be, you know, in the house watching a show or just relaxing. I'd, I'd go mow the yard. I'd start doing the to-do lists. And then at the end of the day, I was like, man, I'm so glad. I'm so glad we got to spend time together. And she's like, we didn't spend any time together. You just did chores and errands. And I would love to say I've gone beyond this. But these conversations still happen because you have to be reminded. You have to keep it before you. And we default into what is easy and comfortable. But listen, don't think this is just some self-help. Self-help don't last a lick. If this isn't rooted on people who know Christ is king, advancing his kingdom, you're just going to think I'm just being all positive, self-helpy. No. No. You don't do the five love languages in your own strength. Like it don't last. But if you are rooted in Christ, you allow the door for the Holy Spirit to come in and get all up in your face and let you know, boy, humble yourself. No. Yes. <laughs> humble yourself and begin. Paul, value, value, value others above yourself. That's Christianity. I was, I was, having, uh, I was talking with my daughters. It's fall break, y'all. They're going to hear me talk. We had talk time. <laughs> Lots of quality time up in my house right about now. Too much. Anyhow, I was talking with them. And we were just having breakfast. They were, they were eating, and, and we were just, I don't know how we got there. But my oldest, probably something I did, and my oldest daughter brought up the golden rule. And I said, you know what's amazing about the Bible? You know what's amazing about Jesus' words? They are so important. They're the most important words. And they're so simple to understand. Whew. Boy, are they hard to do in the culture we live in. Quality time. 
Try it. Try focused attention. And then email me how easy it is. Try. Try. Driving with your cell phone two seats back so you can't touch it. Just try. Just try. Tell me, you know, it comes to me quite easily. <laughs> focused attention. Focused attention. You can think, if you will, of... Uh, the, the story in the book of the five love languages, the particular perspective book I got, it talks about a, a son, or excuse me, a father with his two-year-old, and they're just rolling the back, back and forth. That's quality time. And then he uses the example, dad picks up his cell phone, and is still rolling the ball back and forth, but guess what? It's no longer quality time. Why? Because attention is divided. Our relationships require our focused attention. Quality time is giving our focused attention to the people in our lives. Studies have shown, perhaps you practice these and you realize this, but studies have shown parents just want to encourage you here, give you a little daily challenge. Your child needs 15 minutes of focused attention, not a minute more. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everybody rejoices till you try 15 minutes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I heard uh, another pastor, Perry, uh, Perry, Pastor Larry Stockstill, and his father in law shared. They looked at the psychology and the dynamics behind that, and he, he had, no kidding, I think he had six kids. Six kids. His church was several thousand. And I mean, he had a lot of irons in the fire. But they realize, man, there's something about my child's development. Not 90, not four hours, but here's the thing. 15 minutes does not take place watching a movie. 15 minutes doesn't take place when our attention is split and we're focusing on other things. 15 minutes, focused attention to hear how their day went. To express how your day is going. And what it begins to do is it begins to pour in value upon the child. Value upon those closest relationships. Quality time. <laughs> Y'all going to be set free with this statement. Quality time does not necessarily mean quantity time. It's something that you both enjoy and that you can focus and give attention to. How many of you know, like if we're just being honest, you're in a conversation, you're pouring out your heart, okay? Let's just go there for a moment. You're talking, you're like, man, this is awesome. And then they, they, they do the, this and they grab this and they say, it's just going to take a second. It's just going to take a second. Oh my gosh, can you believe what this person said? This, this and, it, and it shut it down, somebody. And all the attention is now on somebody else, where they went to lunch. You're having date lunch, focused on their lunch. It's not focused attention. And so it, it requires our intentionality. And so there's some simple ways. There's some simple ways you can set it up. Airplane mode is on your phone right now. It's on your phone. You can just shut it down. Why not? Why not take off 5 p.m. 
to 8 p.m. Why not just phone free it for three hours? Just hang with your family. Spend time with your children. Spend, if, 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 if you're single, spend time with your thoughts. Have a hobby. Pour into your closest relationships. Pour into a hobby. Pour into your friendship. Pour into the life of those around you. It's remarkable what can happen. It's remarkable. It sounds so simple, but it's remarkable what can happen. The second ingredient, key ingredient, is quality conversation. Quality conversation. I'm going to bring up a quote out of the book. Gary Chapman says, By quality conversation, I mean sympathetic dialogue. Where two individuals are sharing their experiences, thoughts, feelings, and desires in a friendly, uninterrupted context. Quality conversation. I've learned I may be passionate about soccer and Liverpool Football Club. I may have a zeal dare I say, a borderline consuming hobby that I participate in. But when I bring that up at date lunch, it's selfish, I've learned. I need to humble myself and value interior design. Home decor. Um, Pinterest pictures. <laughs> and um, other such things. <laughs> and, 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 and that's in my marriage. Now, with my, with my daughters, it's, it's become tough because they have little love tanks. God doesn't tell you this until it's too late. No, I'm just kidding. But you begin. Like, I have to snap into the zone. And my daughter will go on a YouTube just recipe she found. And then at the end, they learn from a young age. Dad, what do you think? And you snap to recognize, my goodness, I needed to pay attention during that discourse. But I mean it, it's, it's, it's deeper than that. Let me say this, let me say it is deeper than that. Focused attention, but quality conversation. Sympathetic dialogue means for a moment our hearts are connected. It means for the person whose love tank is quality time, it means, again for us, not our, how we receive love, but how can we communicate love. So the person who has the, the love tank of quality time, a appropriate kiss is not filling a love tank. A gift isn't fulfilling their love tank. An encouraging word isn't filling their love tank. It's doing something positive. It is incrementally filling their love tank. But if quality time is the way they best receive love and you remain stubborn steadfast and neglect that area 
That's asking a major sacrifice on their behalf. And they will go there for a season with you. But I've seen people unwilling, unwilling to pour into their love tank of a dating relationship, a friendship, a work environment, even uh, in the family unit. And it goes beyond just people suffering. It can kill a relationship. It's not loving well. Loving well is recognizing, understanding how do the people in my environment, how do my kids, how do my co-workers, how do they receive? You know this, man. You know this about some of your co-workers. You know what they love to talk about. Just go there. If it's not gossip or inappropriate, just go there. Just, be like, just chat it up. Just, ah, pastor said to do it. Okay. Do it for Jesus. Okay? You know? Like, and what it begins to do, you'll notice something. Other people, begin, they begin to come alive. Begin to come alive. I've seen people make arguments like, dude, I, I gave that. I gave them everything they wanted. I, I worked 60, 75 hours. I gave them everything they wanted. And they said, they don't even know who I am. Why did they not know who you are? Because there was no sympathetic dialogue. You were filling the gift cup. You were filling the word of affirmation cup. You were filling the physical touch cup, maybe because that was your love language, but nonetheless, you were trying all sorts of things, but you did not recognize the need to step up and step in through quality time. Depending on your wiring, quality time takes a rewiring. Takes a a rewiring of the inside. Because some people it comes more naturally. Other people, you're oblivious. I was oblivious. What is this thing you call quality time? It doesn't cost much. When we were first married, we we would go to Starbucks and, and split a coffee together. And just talk. We just undevoted, and then, and then our income went up. So, so we were able to get dinner together and, and lunch together. What, I, what I'm saying there is it's, it's beginning to value the people, begin to pour in to the love tank. Um, Gary <laughs> Chapman ends the, the chapter with, um, with an image from the Holy Land. And he said, typically... Friendships, relationships, marriages, and so forth, both are involved. You have what's called the Dead Sea and the Babbling Brook. The Babbling Brook always has a lot to say. They are not short. You ask how the day went, they're going to let you know in detail. Lots of detail. They're just going to keep talking. It's babbling broke. It's not negative. It's just how they're wired. Hey, how's your day? Prepare. Prepare to listen. You can hear it. A lot of times, Gary Chapman says, listen, in the book, he gives this example. He said, a lot of times, relationships come together. You've got a babbling broke, and then you've got the Dead Sea. <laughs> Dead Sea is a, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a phenomenon. Water flows in, 
nothing comes out. <laughs> How was your day? Awesome. Amazing. It's great. Is dinner ready, or uh, we, we just gonna stand around? Or that's that's the dead that's the dead sea. And. And many times, it, you, you could see it. Some of you are like, wow, my whole childhood's opening up. You could see it in your parents, your grandparents. And here's what Gary Chapman will say, though. That's fine. It's great at first. But you get a year, two years, three years, and you wake up one day, and you look over and you think, I don't know who they are. Now, the Dead Sea, they know who the other person is. But the babbling broke. They have no, who are you? <laughs> Why? Because the Dead Sea has never practiced sympathetic dialogue and conversation. And again, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, relational dynamics, they can rise. They can rise with intentionality, prayer, prayerful intentionality. If you haven't noticed, if you don't have a schedule for your life, if you haven't noticed this, everybody else has a schedule for your life. With text messages, let's just shoot straight. You surprised when people text message you? At 12.41 a.m., they shall remain nameless. But are you surprised when people text you at 12.41 a.m.? I mean, how, do, how many of you know people aren't operating around your schedule? Before I forget, let me just text you. Three in the morning? Okay, I appreciate that. Airplane mode, baby. Come on. I say, I say that to say, though, you can begin to incorporate boundaries into your life. Have a phone off Friday or whenever your Sabbath is. Sabbath for me, Sabbath keeping for me. Remember, we're not nine commandments. There's ten commandments. The fourth commandment, which the three above hinge on and the six below hinge on, is the Sabbath. Only culture created ever where the God gives a day offeth. Sabbath. Find a way to keep Sabbath. Be unreachable. You have permission. Pastor said boundaries. Pastor said be unreachable because you can give your attention what's most important. Think about this. If you can be reached by everybody else, but not those within the four walls of your home, what good is it? What good is it for us to gain the whole world lose our family? What good is it for me to gain the whole world to create, I mean, just envision with me, create the largest church in the world and have no relationship with my daughters? No thanks. It's so critical that you and I lean into the words of Jesus. Lean into the words of Jesus. He didn't say they're going to know you're my disciples by your wealth, by your square footage, by your master bath, by your master bedroom. Make no mistake, I love all those things. But they come up under King Jesus. 
King Jesus has poured out his spirit and empowered us to love well. It's a sign and a wonder to the world around us. It's a sign and a wonder to the world around us. And it's, it, it, it will cause a ripple effect if you start paying attention to the authorities over you in your workplace. I mean, don't go ask him to take the five love languages. Don't, don't be a weirdo. No, 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 no. Don't, don't be doing none of that. See what helps them come alive. Think, God, would you help me to love them well? Who knows? They may be a Liverpool football fan. We don't know. I mean, they may, they may be into soccer. You don't know that, but you can, you can help, help them flourish. I mean that sincere, sincerely. Paul, Paul asks us, Paul asks us. The reason we're not just heavily listing 15, 20 scriptures and messages because it's simple, but we must remember it. We must remember it. Humble ourselves. To value others ahead of ourselves. To value others, to care for others. Begin to serve and love and honor them. It's a remarkable, remarkable trajectory and how it can transform our lives. Let's pray and we'll close together. Let's pray. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what your Holy Spirit is saying. Pour out your love in our hearts that we may follow your commandments to love, serve, and be ambassadors of the good news of Jesus. Transform our homes, Holy Spirit, from where they currently are to be built in your likeness. By your mercy, God, we ask that you would lead us, transform us to love others well. I pray for every heart here that you would heal us from the disappointment, God, we've experienced in our life. And maybe for some of us in our friendships and relationships, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would heal the wounded regions of our hearts. For God, if we're honest, we don't know if we can ever receive and give love appropriately. Would you pour out your love over our hearts and our minds, Lord, that our identity would be rooted in Christ, that we, we, we would live as sons and daughters of the living God, caring enough <laughs> to love well. Thank you, God, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.